welcome back to the Sooners Podcast. We are going to conclude now with the story of this battle. And in the previous episode, we spoke about how Guru Hargobind then battled with the main commander, Lala Beg. And in that duel, Guru Hargobind was able to deceive Lala Beg with the strike going low and then quickly turning his strike, cutting upwards and cutting Lala Beg's head off. So that's where chapter 40, uh, sorry, 54 starts with the entire army of the Mughal side seeing that happen. And once when that happened, they all turned back and they started to step back and run away, many of them. So seeing this retreat, Guru Hargobind then sends orders to the army. He says, all right, now go and uh, pounce on them, go run on them and crush these Turks. If they fight, then cut them, da- cut them down clean. But if uh, they drop their weapons, if they try to surrender, they ask for mercy, then leave them. Do not engage them. The army is now without any commanders, um, and because of this, they can't fight in an organized manner. So in this way, now go. Victory is near, uh, and Sidi Nanak, uh, Sidi Guru Nanak, has protected us all. He says this, and in taking the orders, then uh, the Sikh warriors and Jodhurai's warriors, they grab their weapons. It mentions some of them with swords, um, and the analogy the author gives is that. Um, like hawks, they kind of swoop down on their enemies. Or like tigers in a forest, they jumped uh, quickly uh, towards their, their prey, the deer. And as they're doing this, you know, great sounds of kill, kill were roaring across the battlefield. Um, so the text mentions how whoever stayed to fight amongst the Turks, whoever was brave enough, uh, was shot down or they're quickly, you know, pierced uh, with spears or arrows. And because of this, the ones who were brave enough to continue to fight, um, well, most of them uh, got killed in a very short period of time. And uh, the text is very graphic about their heads then just rolling around on the battlefield. So in the text, it mentions how some, you know, have their necks chopped, some have their arms chopped off, some their faces just split into two. some fought back for a little bit of time and then in realizing that you know they're kind of helpless here they began to run then and run back and and as they were running they threw their weapons uh, in hopes that they would be saved Um, some others on the other side were were on their knees you know with their hands folded asking for protection of the guru Um, some on the other side were were surrendering in a very traditional way in India which is to put grass in one's mouth Uh, this is an old ritual that warriors used to do at that time to convey that they are surrendering so the equivalent in the West would be uh, to wave a white flag so you know these warriors are surrendering some are fighting some are getting killed uh, Guru Hargobind then sends Bidichand quickly, he sends him on his horse and gives him specific orders that whoever is surrendering, make sure that my soldiers aren't going there and killing these people. Uh, so Bidichand quickly sprints off and uh, uh, caresses the soldiers and then makes sure that, that the more enthusiastic six uh, don't take liberty on those surrendering. And uh, in doing so, uh, he gr- regroups all of the forces and then he heads back. So as he had, heads back, um, they're all uh, yelling out, you know, victory cries and battle cries on the way back. Um, so when they get back to Guru Hargobind, then orders are sent out to pick up uh, the wounded from the battlefield. 
And as they're doing this, you know, again, the battle drum, a victory sounded off uh, throughout uh, the area. So Jodrai was uh, especially, um, you know, enthusiastic about uh, the victory and he's yelling out these battle cries as he's approaching Guru Hargobind and then when he reaches Guru Hargobind he bows down uh, his head in salutation. You know, Guru Hargobind then asks Jodhrai, how's he doing? Make sure he's not wounded, make sure he's okay. Um, he tells Jodhrai now like, all right, it's time to go back to the camp and uh, our job here is done. So they set off uh, to their initial camp uh, around that pond and all these soldiers now just beaming with like just like, like uh, ecstatic they're so happy that uh, you know the battle's won and um, when they get back to the, the camp they start counting up the wounded and casualties so out of all the forces of Bojodrai and Guru Hargobind they count up that uh, 1200 soldiers warriors were uh, martyred had attained Shahidi who were uh, killed in the battle and at this point, they send out supplies to make sure that the wounded are taken care of as well. Uh, Jodhrai was actually a little bit wounded at this point. And Guru Hargobind uh, especially calls him over and uh, you know takes care of him himself, applies uh, the bandages and stuff. So it talks about how Guru Hargobind then uh, bestowed his grace on all these warriors to heal them including uh, Bidichand and Malakjati uh, who were wounded and uh, within a few days after the, all of this uh, they were all you know back uh, back to normal and healthy so it asks that uh, it says actually in the text that the cowards who threw their weapons um, on the battlefield uh, as those six were approaching who had asked for protection mercy so those storics were also brought back to the camp and uh, they were allowed to drink from the pond and eat as well uh, when they got back to the camp with the entire Sikh army as well, which is interesting. Um, uh, and alongside them eating with the Sikh army, Hassan Khan is there. Hassan Khan is the, if you remember, the uh, messenger, the original messenger from uh, Lala Beg's army. So another order is sent out to pick up um, the dead soldiers from the battlefield and uh, Guru Hargobind especially mentions uh, Pai Jetha um, who is a very uh, senior veteran uh, Sikh warrior who lived in the times of Guru Hargobind but also during the times of Guru Ajahn Deji. Um, so they go and collect his body and the other soldiers who had passed away. Some Sikhs then go into the forest nearby, they collect some logs um, of wood so that they can do the funeral rites for the bodies. Um, Guru Hargobind then actually interestingly orders a large group of Sikhs to go big a, uh, dig a big grave as well so that they can honor uh, the Muslim funeral rites and bury uh, the dead Turks there. So the five generals of that main army, like Lala Beg was the main commander, his younger br uh, brother Gambar Beg, uh, so, and then also Lala Beg's two sons, Qasim Beg, Shamsh Beg, and his nephew Gobblebeg. So these five uh, generals were placed on top of all of the uh, Turk Mughal uh, soldiers in that big grave. So uh, Guru Hargobind also near these near this big grave and near where um, 
the funeral rites, the cremation was going to be done for the sick warriors, he has to make a, a raised platform as well where he could sit and watch over these funeral rites. So um, at this point, while they're creating that platform, the uh, sick warriors have their bodies cremated at this point. Um, Guru Hargobun also ordered that... Um, uh, interestingly enough, he says, when picking up the bodies of the Toruks, the Mughals who had died there in the battle, if they died with a weapon in hand on their person, bury, bury them with their weapon. So nobody is to disarm somebody um, if they are dead with their weapon on them. Um, so during this time now, there's a big commotion. You know, people are going here and there, picking up bodies. Um, some are bringing back bodies. Some are pick, bringing back wood. Some are digging that grave, the big grave. And during all this time, uh, there was a Sikh actually from the area of Miraj. And he's picking up corses, uh, corpses. Eventually, he comes to Lala Beg's uh, younger brother, Kambar Beg. And Kambar Beg has this really fancy sword. So on the handle, it has all these fancy jewels and gems on it. The blade, it mentions it specifically came from a very far land. Um, it was made of Damascus, wood steel, very impressive. And it looked just beautiful. So as this Sikh is picking up uh, Kambarbeg's body, he sees the sword and is just like, man, the sword is amazing. I need to, <laughs> I need to take the sword. So he hides it in his clothes. And uh, he hides it because he's afraid that, you know, he's going against Guru Hargobind's order here that, you know, if somebody dies with their weapon in hand, uh, to bury that, uh, them with that weapon. So he's, he's a little bit afraid of that. Uh, he's hoping nobody finds out, nobody caught him out there. And um, anyways, he hides his sword, brings the body back. Um, so at this point, they had created that platform and all the bodies were then put into that grave. At that point, Guru Hargobind then uh, bathes. Uh, after the battle, he gets stressed. He gets strapped up with his weapons again. At this point in time, after the battle, um, after, you know, tending to the wounded, doing uh, the funeral rites for the sick warriors, it's about evening time. And again, to um, get everybody together, they beat the battle drum again. And uh, at this point, they put a really fancy fabric down on that raised platform for the Guru to sit on. And then everybody kind of sits alongside and nearby. Um, they ask uh, Bobby, uh the musician, to come there and start playing his Rabab. And all the warriors during this time, as Rabab's playing, you know, some are laughing and talking about what happened on the battlefield. Some are asking Guru Hargobind what happened. Some are praising him um, during this time. And while these conversations are taking place, Guru Hargobin kind of looks over. He sees that Sikh from Maraj and he asks him, he says, uh, Oh, you know that sword that you're hiding over there? You should throw it in that grave that, uh, that we have set there for the Mughals. It's not right to keep this sword uh, if somebody has died with that in hand. So place it in that grave there. And the Sikh, he immediately, he's... He's caught out now and he doesn't know what to do. He's thinking somebody tattled on him. Somebody saw him do that and then told Guru Hargobind. So he's a little bit angry about that. Um, but at the same time, he didn't want to give it away. He loved the sword. And um, so he kind of just lied there. He said, uh, what sword? I don't have no sword. I didn't take nothing. 
And then uh, Guru Hargobind actually curses the Sikh and says that, uh, you know what, you Sikh from Maraj, fine, you keep that sword because of your greed over that sword. Um, you didn't listen to me. Now in your lineage, you know, a sharp sword will always be swinging. Basically, uh, you'll always be fighting amongst yourselves and uh, strike each other down with weapons. So Kavi Santok Singh, the author, then says as well that, you know, even to this day, you can see that the people from Maraj are always fighting each other. Um, this is an interesting side note. Um, so at this point in time, when they're having these discussions, Guru Hargobin um, has that a discussion with uh, that Sikh from Maraj. It's about late evening time. It's, it's getting really dark now. Um, so, um, you know, the funeral rites have been uh, completed here. But Bobby is playing as, you know, many residents nearby uh, who had heard of the battle take place came, um, you know, to talk to Guru Hargobin, to give donations to the Sikhs, uh, to the wounded, and etc. So they come in, in the thousands it mentions, and uh, as it gets dark, then Guru Hargobin goes back to his tent. And uh, same with the other warriors, they go and sleep at this point. So all of them wake, though, early in the hours of the day of the next day. So before sunrise, they wake up and, and meditate. It mentions how Lirbabi then begins to play his Lirbab and then sing Asadivar at that point. So all the warriors at this point are, you know, ecstatic about uh, the victory in battle. And, and now they're just absorbed in this uh, devotional singing of Asadivar. You know, some were listening to it and some were reciting Gurbani. It was, it was saying very attentively. Uh, it was as if it mentions like a shower of Amrit was being rained down upon uh, uh, the community there. So they're all in the state of uh, ecstasy. Uh, they're looking upon uh, Guru Hargobind. And in doing so, it says that, uh, you know, their hearts are becoming pure. And uh, their love for the divine only increases as they, as they uh, perform this devotion. So later in the day, after the morning prayers are done and the, and the singing is done, um, Jodrai and his brother Slayam Shah, they both return back uh, to their village, Kangar. And so Guru Hargobind is just sitting there now with uh, Bidichand, uh, Malak Jati, and uh, the rest of his soldiers there. And just sitting there again in this conversation. Uh, Hassan Khan then enters the scene. Hassan Khan being that uh, messenger, uh, originally from the Mughal army, he had switched sides. He ends up being uh, extremely useful, helping Guru Hargobin, helping the other six, identifying strategy, uh, identifying who's uh, coming up to battle and duel. And at one point earlier on, uh, against Jodhra's wishes, Guru Hargobind keeps him in his uh, regiment there to help out and says that uh, he would uh, make him the uh, commander of Kabul. So Hassan Khan then enters the scene, he claps his hands together, he salutes the Guru and says in a very devotional manner, um, many lines of praise talking about, oh, you're you know the creator of miracles and there isn't anybody like you, you're the giver of all. Whatever you desire comes through. And then he asks Guru Hargobind, okay, so basically, what has become of me now? You know, what do you ask of me? Uh, please, uh, you know, be merciful upon me. Remember, he's still in a state where, you know, anything could happen, you know, under a more cruel uh, commander. At that point, you know, they had 
they'd used him and now they could just abuse him you know they could just end his life right there so Hassan God's a little still worried about this so he's saying you know please have mercy upon me please you know uh, may I live my life that I swear I always have faith in you um, your praise will be known now throughout the whole world after winning this batter, battle so <laughs> Guru Hargobind sees this kind of um, I guess he sees into Hassan Khan and the insecurity that he has so he laughs Guru Hargobind says that Guru Hargobind laughs at this and he says uh, you know don't worry basically Hassan Khan you're to become the next uh, commander of Kabul uh, you're gonna replace now Lalabe I'm gonna ensure this happens you know this is for what you did for us, like this is the fruit of your action that uh, you're gonna get. Now, uh, the last thing I ask of you is that you take uh, the remainder of the Turks here who have surrendered uh, and take them to Shah Jahan, the Emperor. Uh, with you, I'll also send the horses that we confiscated from the Turks during the battle. Uh, go and tell uh, Shah Jahan and the rest of the Mughal army there, whoever the ministers are, that uh, Lullabeg and the other generals who had, you had sent, they're all dead. So he ends up taking about a hundred horses it mentions, and uh, as well as the remaining Turks there, the Mughals, the soldiers who had surrendered. So before leaving, Hassan Khan then salutes again the Guru, uh, Guru Hargobind and blesses him with a saropa. And uh, it takes, it mentions a few days for Hassan Khan to get back. They're all exhausted from this travel, from the battle. Uh, the soldiers now are returning, you know, humiliated. You know, they don't have their commanders with them. They're dead. Uh, some of them are wounded. Some of their colos are cut up and torn. And they're returning uh, without their weapons either. So this is where chapter 54 uh, stops. And then the next chapter we'll deal with how Hassan Khan then has that conversation with Shah Jahan and the ministers in Lahore at the fort um, and how he is to be appointed uh, the next commander of Kabul. So we'll pick up then. Oh.